Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder. I don't know why I didn't join you. (laughs) Well, we got to go Boston accent because this one's, you know, based in Massachusetts. Ah, Massachusetts. Grab your coffee. Oh, boy. Get settled. Uh, Wicked smart. Wicked smart. (laughs) Danny Phantom is not wicked smart, but. Uh, I got Dustin a t-shirt from Boston that says wicked smart. Oh, it's fun. Oh, um, I'm Scarlett. Oh, I'm Alex. <laughs> We're millennials who love murder. And Scarlett is the best, like, picker-outer of fun t-shirts, which, especially when she's on vacation. <laughs> I love a good graphic tee. Um, I've got my... Your freak shirt? I've got my freak flag on today. <laughs> I'm letting it fly. Oh, uh, yeah, I love a good t-shirt. What was that, Alien? Oh, Scarlett got me this one from Colorado, and it's like, uh, got like a hippie van on it, and some cows, and they're like getting abducted by aliens. <laughs> it's a fun one. Yeah. It's in the closet here somewhere. Uh, I always keep my eyes peeled. Always gotta keep an eye out for, for fun shirts. Um, we're at Alex's house again. Yay. And Katniss was being very sweet, um, which yep. she usually is she's, not. <laughs> she's she's sweet to uh, her her mothers, but uh, she is not sweet to strangers. She's usually pretty pretty spicy. Yeah, she doesn't uh, like men. But she, you know, she does not like men. Kind of like her mom's. <laughs> well, Whitney likes men. She likes both. <laughs> I do not. But yeah, she's rubbing up on Scarlett's leg, being all cute, and I'm like, what the hell? I know it was very sweet. Um, and we're, we're watching over Georgie boy again and he's doing very well and he gets his stitches out in two days. Yeah. By the time this launches out, he'll probably have his stitches out for like, you know, two weeks or something, but yeah, but he's or maybe gonna... longer, uh, no, maybe sooner. I don't remember what order these go in, <laughs> uh, but he's doing very well. Mm-hmm. He, he, he booked it to the front door this morning when he heard Scarlet knock and I was like, Oh, okay. I know. He's I'm proud so... of him. He's very cute. Very good boy. I know. All right. Um, well, this is going to be an Alex story. Mm-hmm. Oh, and fun thing, I did not tell Scarlett what this story is. I don't know if I'm ready. I hinted at it. I said Danny Phantom. Danny Phantom. Did you watch that t- TV show, Danny Phantom? It was like a cartoon. I think it was on Nickelodeon, maybe? Yeah. Cartoon Network. Gotta catch them all because he's yep. Danny Phantom. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of how this kid is. Okay. But not in a fun way. Okay. So... Uh, this is the story of the worst teenager you've ever met, Daniel LaPlante. Okay. Have I, you heard of him? Uh, vaguely. I don't think I know the whole story, though, so I'm excited. Oh, um, the fun part is, is like he's not even known for his murders. He's known before for what he did before the murders. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Which is weird, but a little backwards. But right. uh, good old Daniel was born May 15th, 1970. Nice little Taurus for Another you. Another Taurus. Love it. Yep. And we're in Townsend, Massachusetts. <laughs> ah, okay. We're going up north. Which is a little, little hobunk town about half an hour outside of Boston. Okay. Um, it's like a little, little paper mill town. Very sleepy. Not a whole lot going on until 1986. All right. 1986. So, so the year my brother was born. Oh, good year. I don't, I don't have any. No, my sibling was not born. No, he was born in 84. 
Um, yeah, so we got uh, Daniel LaPlante. Daniel had a pretty depressing and trauma-filled childhood, which does not excuse him for the garbage human he turned out to be, but does shed some light on the crimes he later commits. Okay. Growing up, he was sexually abused by several adults in his life, oh. including his father and psychiatrist. Oh, shit. Yeah, um, maybe you should not be a psychiatrist if that's the way you want to behave. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he didn't have his job very long. I'm I, assuming. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, he was later diagnosed with dyslexia and hyperactivity disorder, which is commonly known now as ADHD. Which I'm pretty sure each of us have just a little touch of. Just a smidge. Just a just little a bit. Just a smidge. <laughs> he uh, had your, like, sorry your, in advance. He had your, like, typical, like, you know, teenage boy ADHD, like very hyper, um, had a hard time paying attention to things, like the very standard what you think ADHD is, even okay. though there's like a million different. Um, Classic case. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Daniel struggled to maintain or build friendships due to his classmates thinking he was weird and abnormal, okay. which uh, he, he kind of was. Yeah. Uh, he attended St. Bernard's High School in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Okay. He was described as a loner that kept to himself, and he didn't really keep up his appearance either or hygiene. Ooh. He was the kind of a, uh, like, like, you know how your hair looks when you don't wash it? Like super mine often, this morning. Like real greasy. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I have to take a shower before I go over there. He's kind of smelly. Okay. Uh, although kids are dicks, um, not surprised he had those issues, and clearly Daniel was being neglected at home. You know, he probably just never learned how to take care of himself, groom himself, and probably didn't care too much because he had such a low self-esteem, he didn't think it mattered anyway. Yeah, and I guess his parents um, didn't encourage him to take care of himself either? Probably not. They, Ooh. yeah. Okay. Kind of like a Harry Potter thing, they probably just thought he was a waste of space. Oh. Yeah. I've baby. never seen Harry Potter. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I've never seen it. Actually, I saw the very last one, and I had, I mean, you know how I am with things, and I just had no idea what was going on, and it was good. Like, cinematically, it was good. I, <laughs> I just what? didn't know what was going on. I know. That's like half your tattoos. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I have many Harry Potter tattoos. Yeah. I'm gonna, well... We'll, we'll we'll come back to that, Scarlett. Maybe I'll watch it one your day. Your boyfriend looks like Albus Dumbledore. What the hell? He does. Yeah, you should Google a picture of him. Oh, okay. I'll we'll look get him up. we'll get back to that. Yeah. Uh, in his teen years is when Daniel started to veer in the direction of a criminal. Okay, great. That's I think that's how they all start. He began with petty crimes like breaking into homes, stealing people's valuables. But when stealing things wasn't good enough for old Danny boy, he decided to start psychologically torturing his victims. Okay. He would, hate that. Yep. Uh, he would break into their homes uh, and would either move, take, or leave things in the home where they shouldn't be. Like, like he would rearrange, like, picture frames. Uh, like, you know, like, what is, ch uh, tchotchkes? Is that what you call them? Yeah. Tchotchkes? He would he'd move around them in the home and stuff. That's terrifying yeah or like he would move like things from one room to another and just like kind of swap things around oh no okay uh, he enjoyed seeing people freaked out about this shit it was all mind, mind game for him okay uh now i couldn't find a direct answer on how daniel gets this home phone number for the bowen family uh but a lot of people speculate that he might have broken into their house before and gotten their number that way okay but there's no way to like know for sure he also could have just fucking gotten out of the phone book Okay. But he gets home. The home. Oh, hi, Katniss. Hi, Kit. Hi, Kitty Katniss. Hi, baby. She's wet because she was just playing in the shower. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, there's no way to know for sure, but he is interested in the oldest Bowen daughter, Tina. Okay. He's got he, a little crush. Yep. He calls the home and ends up chatting with Tina on the phone over, you know, a couple weeks. Okay. Almost daily, actually. And she agrees to go on a date with him. All right. So uh, she's never seen him. She's no. never met him. He also told her that he was like a charming, tall, blonde, handsome, like, athlete on the football team. Okay. Which is not what he is. He's a... If you guys Google a picture of him, he's kind of like scrawny or like ghastly looking face, uh, dark hair, a little oily. He kind of looks like Severus Snape. Okay. From Harry Another Potter. Another Harry... Yes. <laughs> Almost yep. said sports ball reference. No. Harry Potter reference. <laughs> Not sports ball this time. Uh, he, Tina actually really enjoyed talking with him, and she liked what he had to say about himself because, you know, he was not describing himself fully. Yeah, he was describing a perfect person. Yep. Uh, okay. And uh, they agreed to go on a date. All right. Mm-hmm. And he was act- she was actually really excited to meet him in person. Tina, who was 15, had pretty re- recently lost their mother uh, due to cancer, which was a devastating blow to her father and younger sister, Karen, who was nine. Okay. Their father, Frank, was a bus driver and newly single parent and, you know, really just trying to take care of his family and hold them together. Yeah, which is hard. Um, you've lost your mom. I've lost mine, so I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was hard, especially with a 15 and a nine-year-old. Yeah, like I was... 12 and my sister was 10 and that was real tough on my dad he had a lot of help yeah Um, well that's good mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think frank had from what i was reading it sounded like he had a lot of help from the neighbors and they were close with their neighbors so oh that's good yeah so he had some people to take like keep an eye on them when he was at work because he spent a lot of time at work because you know he's now he's gotta make the mint make the men's eat (laughs) (laughs) make the ends meet Yeah, he's got to bring home that bread. Yeah, okay. So, on the night of the date, Danny Boy shows up to pick up Tina at her doorstep. And Tina is immediately put off by him because Danny had described himself as handsome, athletic, and blonde. When in reality, he's a greasy looking slime ball. Uh, That's awkward. Yeah, that's a catfish before catfish. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But Tina's being a nice girl and she gives him, like, she had every right to be pissed. And she was not. She was like, you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I've enjoyed talking with him on the phone. Yeah. And she allows Daniel to take her on the date. And they go to the fair. <gasps> the fair. Love the fair. I feel like that's your standard, like, you know, date as a teenager. Sure. Yeah. But she's still super uncomfortable with the whole thing. Uh, during the date, Daniel starts asking Tina about her mother and asks some really, like, unnerving questions about her death. Okay. Like how she felt the exact moment her mother died and how much she was suffering. Like, very strange first date questions. The, Actually, just yeah, strange. those are strange in general. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? He wasn't asking, like, what do you like to do on the weekend? No, he's and... like, how did you feel when your mom died? Like, that real weird shit. Oh, no. Okay. Creepy. Uh, yes, the date really only lasted, like, an hour, maybe. Uh, Tina ain't having it, and she's like, all right, I'm gonna go now, you fucking weirdo. Yeah, okay, good for Tina. Uh, Dan offers to walk her back home, and Tina's like, nah, bro, um, I'm good, and Tina just walks back home on her own. Yeah, she does not need any more interaction with you, buddy. No. Uh, and she's feeling really disappointed and kind of bummed out, and she's assuming that she'll never see him again. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like... I wish that she had never seen him again. <laughs> I feel like she's gonna see him again. Okay. Yeah, not because she wants to. 
Oh boy. So we're going to skip forward just a little bit uh, to June 1986. Okay. Uh, Tina pretty much forgets about Daniel altogether. And she and her sister Karen are like, you know, really reeling over the loss of their mother. Yeah. So what do the girls decide to do? What do they decide to do? Uh... They decide to take afterlife matters into their own hands. And they perform a seance in the basement to try to contact their mom. <gasps> oh, that's fun. Yeah. I, I like that. We're conjuring up some spirits. Yeah. We should... <gasps> We're we not, could, no, we're not having a seance. We could do a seance. We're not having a seance. Uh, it's right, you know, right in this room right here. We can just, yeah, we'll just turn off the closet light, get my, whip out my Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, get some candles in here, crystals. Try not to, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm here for it. Listen, uh, this weekend we had girls, girls day for our, our friend Sugar, who's, um, you know, beaten the shit out of breast cancer's ass. Yeah. But we brought along uh, our co-worker Mallory and her daughter Lila, who picked out some crystals as a present from Five Below. Yeah. Yeah. We kept calling her calling them crystal meth and she did not understand what that was. <laughs> but we can we can call over little Lila and she'll borrow her crystals. Yeah. I love a good crystal. But uh so this is given like teenage eighties movies vibes. Yeah, I love it. Uh they'd never tried anything like this, but they're like, hey you know, what's the worst that could happen? They're just conjuring up their mom. It's not like she's an evil spirit. So they do their little seance in the basement. I love that. Because, I mean, they miss their mom. They miss their mom. And you know what? Let's bring her back. It, anything that they can do to kind of get some contact with their mom, I think, is what they're aiming for. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I feel them. Like, my dad's not the most loving and, you know, doting dad. Uh, at least at that time he wasn't. Now he's a little bit better. But, you know, they just want some, some motherly affection. Yeah. Uh, they didn't actually think anything happened after the seance, uh, but then some some weird shit starts happening like, okay. immediately after this. So it worked. Well, <laughs> both Tina and Karen start hearing knocking noises coming from the walls in their bedrooms. From the walls? Yeah, like inside the wall. Okay. And at first they were like a little spooked out about it, but thought it might, might be their deceased mother just, you know, trying to contact them and say like, hey, what's up? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, the seance might have worked. Uh, the knocking and tapping continues to happen for several days and started to disrupt the girl's sleep in everyday lives. Okay. So but, it's becoming more um, persistent. Yeah. Okay. But soon they start getting really, like, scared, freaked out. Yeah. Uh, I would be too, probably sooner than they did. Yeah. And I, well, I frighten easily. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> so does Whitney. So any, like, sudden movements or sudden loud noises, like, Lily scares the shit out of me all the time. Uh, Lily's her demon dog. Her purebred will... She's an American foxhound. American, fo American foxy hound. A hundred percent. And she's a diva, and I feel like she knows she's a purebred. Yeah, she came from the shelter, guys, and she she knows that yeah. she's too good for that shelter. Oh, she was a hundred bucks from the shelter. Yeah. Oh, and then we get we did Ollie's DNA, and he has 17 different breeds, to include Chihuahua. Yeah, and all 110 pounds of him. Yeah. Chihuahua. He's a big boy. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Tina and Karen tell their dad, Frank, about what's happening with all the knocking and, like, the tapping and shit. And <laughs> Frank is not buying it. Okay. He's like your typical dad. He's like, oh, it's all in your heads. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Because Frank also wasn't home when this would happen. So he never actually witnessed or heard it himself. So he thinks it's just all in their heads and maybe they're just doing it to get attention. Yep. I was just about to say, maybe this is some sort of uh, ploy to maybe keep dad at home more, possibly. Maybe. Okay. So, in addition to all the knocking, the girls would also see lights on in rooms when they knew they turned them off. I 
hate this. Oh, I hate this gets, so much. It gets worse. That just like gave me goosebumps. <laughs> uh, items moved from one room to another. Okay. Especially because like I know that I forget to turn shit off sometimes, but like I will know that I turned like a light off or closed a cabinet or something, and then it opened. Like I see that it's open, and I'm like, what the fuck? I knew I fucking closed yeah. that cabinet. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, items would be moved from one room to another. The doorbell would ring. They'd answer it. Find no one there. There's just some strange fucking shit happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's all whenever they're home alone. Mm-hmm. Uh. And, like, if it's not their mom, like, because they're starting to think that it maybe is not their mom because it's freaking them the fuck out. Yeah. Then what the fuck is it? Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> so a few days into these wild things happening, the girls are home alone and are now hearing noises coming from the basement. Oh, I do not think so. Oh. <laughs> uh, basements are scary. And it's like that same persistent tapping noise on the walls and the pipes. So, being teenage 80 movies girls, they arm themselves with a big old kitchen knife, <laughs> march down to the basement. Okay. Good for them. I would have just ran to the neighbor's house. Yeah, they're going to investigate. Where they are met with these words written in red on the wall. I'm in your room. Come and find me. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. Can you imagine? I would just haul ass. I would call the police. I'd be like, um, there's a fucking demon in my house. Call Ghostbusters. <laughs> and they're writing on the walls now. Yep. Get them the fuck over here. Oh, man. Okay. So the girls did what I would have originally done and hauled ass to the neighbor's house to call for help. Okay. Good girls. Uh, the neighbors call the girl's dad, Frank, and Frank decides it's time to call the cops. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Police show up to the Bowen home and they search the area. Turns out the I'm in your room come and find me is not written in blood it's written in ketchup uh okay all right so we're making it look like blood mm -hmm. and it's ketchup cute yep also during the police's search they didn't find any sign of forced entry or any indication that anyone else was in the home other than tina and karen so now frank is he's fed up and he's thinking it's yeah they're it's like the girls like you guys are full of shit like, yeah stop it oh okay so frank just thought the girls were looking for some attention and really struggling with the loss of their mother and arranged for them to start going to therapy oh good job frank i commend that's good parenting right there if you think your kid's struggling which they probably were even without you know the ghosts <laughs> the supposed ghosts <laughs> yeah get them someone to talk to yeah but also maybe if your kid really seemed that freak out about something they they probably have something real to be freaked out about yeah but he's doing I don't know. Would you think it was your kids? Uh, I t it depends. I guess I would have to... It depends on who they are. and Because like, no one's going to know them better than their own dad. That's true. So I guess you kind of Maybe they've done some yeah. things to get attention in the past. Like, for instance, like if Brayden did this, I would just think Brayden was pulling my leg. Because yeah. that's the type of kid that Brayden is. <laughs> Brayden is not my kid, by the way. He is my <laughs> boss's kid. Uh, he would think that uh, it was Scar funny. And Scarlett's nephew. Yeah. <laughs> he would think it's funny. Yeah. yeah. He would think it's funny and just, like, want to fuck with us. Yeah. So I guess it kind of depends. Okay. Um, a couple weeks pass. Tina and Karen have been going through therapy, trying to work through their loss of their mother, and it's now in December 1986. Okay. The girls are home alone again, chilling in the living room, and they hear more knocking coming from Tina's room this time. So it's all over the house. All over the damn house. Basement. Living their rooms, room. Their rooms. Kitchen. Yep. Oh my. And the girls head upstairs, and again, in red, on the hall mirror was written, I'm back. Find me if you can. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Oh, my I'm... God. Oh, this is uh, horrifying. 
terrifying and deja vu because it was in the basement and mm-hmm. now it's upstairs and yep okay all right so the girls run back to the neighbor's home and recount everything that has just happened the neighbors call frank again he rushes home from work and frank is determined to put an end to this madness and he's he's probably just pissed off like y'all are full of it let me prove to you that it's you know all in your heads and you're just fucking with me yeah Ugh. but frank he has no idea what he's about to walk into Oh, okay. He enters his home, and all the TVs in the home were on. The volume turned all the way up. Oh. <laughs> there were random kitchen items in the living room. And then he heads upstairs and sees, I'm back. Find me if you can on the mirror. On the mirror. Okay. Then he walks towards Tina's room, and he sees, written in red, on the wall, marry me. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. In Tina's room? In Tina's room. Oh. Tina's the oldest. Remember this. Oh, my She's God. She's the one that went on the date. Okay. But it gets worse. As Frank enters Tina's bedroom further, he sees what appears to be a woman standing in the corner of the room <laughs> with her back facing him. <laughs> it's an actual person in the room. <laughs> uh, this woman turns out to be uh, Daniel LaPlante in a blonde wig dressed in Frank's deceased wife's clothing holding a hatchet. <laughs> Oh my god, Frank! Ah. Mm-hmm. And I did uh, ask Dusty Buns what the difference between a hatchet and an axe is, and apparently a hatchet's just kind of like a mini axe, like it's just smaller, you know, oh. more, more handheld than the axe. Okay, that's like, so scary. Oh yeah. So Tanny, Tanny Phantom, starts coming for Frank, and Frank looks like books it back outside leaving daniel alone in the house okay so he's like i'm gonna get away from this deranged little psychopath yeah (laughs) uh yeah so frank he believes his daughters know yeah i would say that was a clear indication that they were telling the truth (laughs) thank goodness it was like frank that walked in on that and not his daughters could you like imagine how fucking terrified they would be or he could have, I mean, he could have seriously hurt them. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Because, yeah. like, he, I'm sure he didn't attack Frank because he knew that Frank may overpower him because he's a grown-ass man. Yeah. But those teenage girls, they would have probably easily been overpowered by him. And I'm sure that was uh, Danny Boy's plan. Yeah, he didn't want to see Frank. He wanted to see the girls. Oh, my God. I. Well, yeah, Scarlet's got chills, guys. <laughs> chills. Okay. All right. Uh, but Frank doesn't know Danny. He has no idea who this person is that was in his dead wife's clothing, coming for him with a hatchet. Oh, he was in the clothes and the wig. and. The... Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, Frankie Frank calls the police, and they discover all the creepy messages written in most distinguishing ink of them all. More ketchup. More ketchup. Okay. More fucking ketchup. <laughs> uh, they start looking around for evidence of Daniel and how he was able to get in the house, since there's no obvious sign of a break-in. Then, one of the officers finds a hidden crawl space behind a bookshelf in Tina's room, which he then opened and finds Danny. <gasps> he was in the walls? He was in the walls. Oh, no! In the crawl space. Oh, it gets better. Uh, They detain him, arrest him, and get him the fuck out of the house. Yeah, okay. The passageway they found him in had been tunneled around to the other parts of the house. So he's just mulling his way through this house, through walls and tunnels. Making his his own passageway. Oh, man. And they discover little little tiny small holes drilled in so he could spy on the family. Like, not noticeable to, like, the eye if you're just looking over, but tiny enough for him to look through. Yeah, he had been God. living in the walls of that house for months. Oh, oh no. And uh, I guess his 
parents. They don't give a shit. They don't care. Mm -mm. Oh my. I'm sure he returns home to like maybe sleep or something, but Uh, for the most part, he's spending all of his free time in that house inside the crawl spaces. Oh my God. He needed a hobby. That was a hobby. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's a total normal hobby. Yeah. Oh my God. So 16 year old Daniel. Yes, he is 16. Ugh. is hit with a whole list of charges, uh, armed assault and a dwelling, breaking and entering, malicious injury to a property, armed burglary, and he was sent to Bridgewater Hospital, where he was given an evaluation and was sentenced to a juvenile detention facility. Okay, well, this is good. Yep, despite Danny being locked up, the family decides to make a move to New Hampshire in the near future. I wouldn't want to live in that house anymore. Like, yeah, let's all start over fresh. Yep. Let's get this horrifying teen home invasion person i wouldn't be able to fall asleep i'd be like checking on my crawl spaces before i lay down to go to bed oh i would have filled those bitches in like oh my god oh yeah uh the bowen family had escaped daniel plants reign of terror mostly unscathed okay but unfortunately his story doesn't end here all right that's the best part he's uh that's what he's most famous for is that crime right there yeah. But he commits an it. even more horrific crime later. Uh, oh, yeah. H- hold on to your boots. Okay. Strap in. Get your coffee. Yeah, I'm sitting down again. <laughs> uh, fast forward to a little. 1987, October. Uh, the courts decide that Daniel should be tried as an adult for his crimes instead of staying at that ju- juvenile facility. Okay. And when this happens, Daniel's mother posts his bail. And their only reason he was able to get out on bail is because they decided to try him as an adult instead of leaving him in that facility. So okay. keep that in the so back of your head. So he had a chance to, to post bail at this point in time. Yeah. Which they, mom does. Yep. And if they had left him in the juvenile facility, he would not have had that opportunity. So his mother posts a $10,000 bond and Daniel is released on bail to go live with her and his stepfather. All right. Everything's fine, right? <laughs> I don't think so. Nope. Uh, almost immediately in November, so not even a month later, Daniel's back on his robbery bullshit, never straying too far from his own home, and in one of the homes he burglarizes, he steals two handguns. I guess he's just not being monitored at all? I mean, his parents weren't monitoring him whenever he was hiding in somebody else's fucking crawl spaces. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, and he was getting raped by his stepfather. Um, You know, not a great home life. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably not wanting to stay home because That's true. of this. Like, he's probably wanting to go out as much as he can. And it sounds like his parents were keeping an eye on him anyway. Yeah. And he doesn't have a car, so he's, he's staying close mm-hmm. to uh, his own So he's not uh, drawing any kind of attention to himself because he can hightail it back home yeah. and make himself appear. And clearly he knows his way around these types of houses. Mm-hmm. And they've got these crawl spaces and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Because it's very normal for homes like that in there yeah. to have crawl spaces. Oh, man. Thank goodness ours do not have that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now, a few weeks later, December 1st, 1987, Daniel finds a new target. Okay. So now we meet Andrew Gustafsson, better known as Andy. Uh, and Andy was at work and had just closed a huge real estate deal. Called his wife, Priscilla, to ask about getting a sitter for their two children so they could go out and celebrate for the night and with a nice dinner. Okay. When she didn't answer the phone, which was really weird for her because she was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And he began to worry and drove to his home to check on her, since he was only about a mile away from the office. So, like, his office, home, mile away. Okay. He noticed the car was in the driveway, but the house was dark and didn't seem to have anybody inside. And he got, like, a really, like, terrified, sinking feeling in his stomach. Uh, like that, you know something's wrong. And yeah. You just don't know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. What he didn't expect was he entered his home and found a horrific scene, found his wife, 
face down on the bed covered in blood. Oh, Andy. So um, Andy immediately rushed to the kitchen to call for help. He states later he didn't go look for his children right away because he was afraid he would find them dead, which yeah. is a little odd, but I, I get it because he's already found one member of his family in a compromising situation. Um, best to let the police handle it from there, but I just found that a little little weird. Yeah, Cause of course, like, I don't know. I thought that was no one little... knows what they'd really do in a situation like that. Yeah, um, that, that was the that was the only thing weird I found about it. Yeah, uh, police arrive and note that someone broke into this home, and uh, it's about to get real sad. So if uh, murdered children is a trigger for you, just go ahead and skip ahead a few minutes. So he uh, not only was his wife brutally murdered at 33 years old and pregnant, oh my her God. two children, Abigail seven and William five, were also murdered um and they were drowned in the bathtub <sighs> where did this all come from like uh, I, this is just such a big leap from breaking into people's houses and terrifying them to like full-on murder know. spree I, maybe he just didn't like like he was jealous that they were a happy family and you know he didn't uh, have siblings either so maybe he really craved that happy family yeah. with a mother that cared for you hard-working dad damn um, Maybe that just kind of triggered him and he didn't like it. That's so sad. Okay. So police immediately think that someone was in the middle of robbing the family, maybe casing the house to see what kind of mayhem he could cause when the young pregnant mother and her two children come home. Oh, okay. So he was already in the house. Yeah. Whenever they were gone. Mm -hmm. And then they show up. And then they show up. Oh, boy. Uh, guess who lived almost directly behind the Gustafsons' home, less than a mile through a wooded area? And just got out on bail. Fucking Daniel. Dan Danny Phantom. Oh, my God. So they they know who this is almost. Almost immediately. Like, yeah. they don't need to do much, much investigating. No. Investigating. <laughs> investigating. <laughs> it didn't take long for the police to link Daniel to the murders. The police went to the home he lived at with his mother, and Danny escaped out of that back door. And Danny escaped <laughs> out of a back door. We're both getting tongue-tied. God damn it. <laughs> Danny takes off, and a manhunt ensues. Okay. So, murderer's now on the loose. Or oh, supposed murderer. Great. We know he's a murderer, but supposed murderer. Yeah. Time's on the loose. Yeah. The local police notify the Bowen family about the murders that have taken place and to inform them that Daniel's on the run. And Frank is just stunned. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Yeah. And being like, hey, that guy, remember that kid that was, like, dressed up in your... Dead wife's clothes and uh, terrorizing your family. Oh, yeah, and he almost tried to murder you with a hatchet. Yeah, uh, he's out, and he just murdered a family. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, Watch your back a little bit. And it's kind of our fault that he's out because we decided to try him as an adult and give him bail. Yeah. Why would... I would have considered him a flight risk, personally, but, you know... Yeah. Our justice system, people. Yeah. So, two days pass, the police get tons of tips, uh, but they have yet to locate Daniel. And most of the time, those tips are a bunch of bullshit anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then, the police get a call stating that they've seen Daniel at a lumberyard about eight miles outside of Townsend. Okay. Police close in on the lumberyard and find Daniel the plant hiding in a dumpster <laughs> on the compound. Hiding in a dumpster, okay. Dumpster Danny. Uh. They lure him out and finally arrest him. Okay. And he was uh, laughing hysterically the whole time he was being ridden. Like, arrested. Like, cackling, laughing. Oh, my God. Which I feel like is, that's terrifying. And he is 17? Uh, about 16, 17 at the time. Oh, my God. Oh, no, he would have been 17. He would, he his is, birthday would have passed. He is unhinged. Uh. Yep. Uh, the police contact the Bowen family again, letting them know of his capture. Good. And that they can now, you know, rest easy. I wouldn't, but... <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, Metaphorically, rest easy. Uh, they continue with the move to New Hampshire, and I hope they moved on with their lives, gotten more fucking therapy, and thriving in their home with no crawl spaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be my first That would request. be my first question to the realtor. Like, is there any hidden uh, crawl spaces? Space? Yeah, any crawl spaces in this house? <laughs> Can we go ahead and fill those up with some concrete? Yeah. One year later, Daniel was charged with three life sentences and showed little to no remorse for the crimes he committed. Of course. Yep. Daniel actually attempted to sue the prison system several times over his time in prison, and once in 2014, for the prison refusing his right to practice Satanism. Oh. As he was not given the proper tools, such as dragon's blood and certain crystals. Oh, more fucking crystals. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was just an attempt to, uh, I don't know, get some sort of attention on himself. Yeah, this, this dude's never gotten, like positive attention his entire life so i can imagine that that's kind of what he was just craving okay so now we're at uh march 22nd 2017 which is not that long ago like that was well i I, want to say it's three years ago but it's actually like six years ago yeah and this is is way forward in the future Mm because this happened in the 80s yeah late 87 okay yep late 80s so new sentencing hearing is due to him being a minor at the time of his crime because you know they have that like you know, new law where, like, you can't sentence a minor to a, an adult's, like, life in prison bullshit because, you know, they're not technically adults. Yeah, but didn't they, didn't they say that they were going to try him as an adult? Yeah, but he was a minor at the time when they were going to try him as an adult. Huh, okay. So, so they're taking back their word now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but his lawyer was able to get him this new sentencing uh, because he was a minor at the time. Oh, So okay. it's basically the same story of people requesting these new sentencing to get some more leniency on their sentences due to some states believing that minors should be able to reintegrate themselves back into society after, quote, serving their time. Okay. Even if they did, you know, make a very adult-like decision and murder someone and their two children. Yeah. Or, uh, or terrorize a family in their home. Yeah, don't commit the crime if you can't pay the time. But thankfully, some wonderful soul as a forensic psychiatrist found that this garbage human did not show any grief or remorse for his crimes and does not deserve an early release. Good. 2019, after another appeal, a judge stated this case does not involve a single act that resulted in three deaths. Mr. LaPlante committed three distinct and brutal murders. He killed a 33-year-old pregnant woman and her five- and seven-year-old children. He left a family and community devastated. The court finds that the maximum penalty is warranted. Yeah, you're not going to get away with just serving one part of one life sentence. Yeah, when you killed three people. Three separate murders. Yeah, four, if he included the baby. Yeah. Yeah. If he was tried down here, I'm sure that they would have convicted him for four murders. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, you know, Bible Belt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a cute little part of the story. Um, you know, we kind of all need a little pick-me-up after this. Yeah. Andy and his new wife, Carol, who had two daughters together, oh. uh, both wear their current wedding bands and their old wedding bands on their other hand to pay tribute to their deceased spouses. Oh, that is sweet. Carol's husband passed after 15 years of marriage to a failed battle with brain cancer. Oh. Uh, they were married January 1st, 1989. Okay. Which oh, is that's... really... That's quick. Very quick. Um, Andy is quoted in an article by the LA Times saying, Your life is about your relationships. When you lose them, you lose your life in a way. You either get stuck or you go on and make a new life. Hey, that's very, that's a good outlook. Yeah, it's forward thinking of him. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that, you know, 
his entire family was murdered, but it's good that he can move on. Yeah. I don't think you ever fully move on. You just kind of learn to live without those people. Yeah. Uh, Andy and Carol both considered they were moving on and marrying a little too soon. Okay. Yeah. So they, they both kind of knew that. Uh, but after the tragedies they both experienced, they decided that life is too short not to live it. Yeah, I agree. Andy lived 27 more years with Carol and passed away in 2014. He didn't get to see that Daniel rotted away in prison for the rest of his life, but he did get his final wish that Daniel was never to be released. Oh, that gave me, like, sad goosebumps. Yeah, and that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Hated every single part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I might have nightmares now. About um, ketchup. Of people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, people living in crawl spaces. Um, so, um, do you got any fun facts? Ketchup. Ketchup facts. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were just referring to the ketchup. Okay, ketchup uh, facts. Yay. I hate ketchup, but guys, <gasps> Scarlet loves her some ketchup, specifically pepper ketchup, which <laughs> is when you, like, spray ketchup on a plate and then you douse that shit in as much pepper as comes out of the <laughs> little bottle i don't know what it is it just makes it better oh wait quick side note before Mm -hmm. we get into the fun facts um harley and i had gone to this like fancy french restaurant oh boy and i got fish and chips Mm -hmm. and so i wanted ketchup with my fries Mm -hmm. and so he brought out the ketchup and then i asked him for pepper and he comes out with that big oh the (laughs) the like fancy ketchup that you grind that's like a foot and a half long and i have this little container of ketchup and he's like uh you want it on the ketchup and i'm like you know what never Never mind mind. this is stupid i'm not gonna make you do this oh shit it was really funny okay ketchup facts uh each year a person eats about three bottles of ketchup gross i feel like you eat more than that yeah uh (laughs) by eating just four tablespoons of ketchup you'll receive the same nutritional value as a medium-sized tomato Oh, that's so fun. You're, you're eating your vegetables every time you eat ketchup. Hey, see? Which I didn't know that. I thought it was Are just like... Are a vegetable? Yes. Huh. What did you think they were? <laughs> they're not a fruit. I think they're technically a fruit, but I consider them a vegetable. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, ketchup is similar to wine in that it has good and bad years, depending on the harvest. That's fun. I did not know that, but I also don't like ketchup, so maybe that's why yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, very cool. Love it. Well... That's that on that. Yeah. I'm going to go check my crawl spaces. I don't even have any crawl spaces, but I feel <laughs> I like I should check them. check them. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Alex, for another wonderful episode. You're welcome. I'm glad to give you nightmares every week. <laughs> yeah. I hate it so much. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Don't kill your neighbors in a crawl space. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye.